It's Raw! A Kitchen Nightmares podcast! Hello once again, it's me, your old pal, one lunch man, Kevin Mann. Joined as I am always in this review of the horror show that is the nightmares from the United States and the kitchens and the restaurants visited by Mr. Gordon Ramsay. I am, of course, joined by my saucy side dishes. First, joining me, P. King K. Rule himself, Adam Bibolo! Peking, eh? Yeah, Peking K. Rool. Be careful, you're peaking early now. Right before we started recording this, Kevin said to me, like, oh, I don't want to just keep doing coffee jokes when I introduce you because I don't want to, you know, pigeonhole you. So I said, that's fine, as long as whatever you replace it with is perfectly on brand. Peking! There we go. <laughs> Everyone knows I love a bit of Peking duck. But you like King K. Rool, and he, you, that's you true. said to me often in private, he's, he said to me, Joe, he said, he's the man who is a lizard who I would want to eat the most. <laughs> He's even very, very clear by that. And I am, of course, joined as well, to my left, by the president of the club sandwich, Bon Vivore extraordinaire, Joanna Graham. Hello. Hey, Joe. How's things? Good, thank you. Yes. How are things with you? I have been eating the worst food of my life for around two months now. Yeah, I have forgotten what vegetables are. No, guys. I love vegetables. They're my favourite food. Like, honestly, I, I love vegetables more than anything else on earth. And I can't remember the last time I ate one. I can't remember the last time I ate a vegetable. And I can't recall the taste of bread or the feel of the grass beneath my feet. Oh, guys. <laughs> what has happened? Uh, we are having our kitchen done, Adam. And also, the world is happening as it is. Yeah. As such... <laughs> We have been eating food exclusively prepared by kettle, by toaster, oh. and by by not cooking. <laughs> I just had it in my head because it had been so sunny lately. I just thought you guys were having barbecue for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, oh, I, I, I wish. Ice cream man giving us our five a day. Who needs veg, right? <laughs> it was our six-year anniversary. I've actually forgotten when it was. It was either last weekend or the weekend before, but time means nothing to me anymore. And I know whatever day it was, we had beans on toast. No! Okay. And that, that was a treat. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, that's the thing. When, you, when if anyone finds themselves ever, and I think a lot of listeners will find themselves in 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 times where the cooking doesn't just happen the way they want it to be for ever reasons, and beans on toast is a standby. But if you overdo it, that's it. It's it's if you over rely on it, you get punished, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you do. By now, the beans on toast gods. With you guys being so used to having like naff food at the minute, does that mean that you are more angered by the food you see on this show, or does it make you maybe a little bit more forgiving of the bad food because you're so hungry? I don't know about you, Kevin, but me, when I was watching this, it made me angrier because not because we haven't got access to a kitchen, but because we haven't got access to restaurants. Yeah. And it's like I would kill to go even to like the shittiest restaurant right now. Like just just to sit in a restaurant and be there and eat mm-hmm. food that wasn't made in this house. Oh, it's such a novelty. So what will no doubt follow in today, episode number two, will probably be the most generous appraisal of Sebastian's, the titular restaurant from season one, episode six of the United States Kitchen Nightmares. Now, hang on, before you get started, yeah. we're just on the topic of beans on toast. Mm. And it's something that I have waited about a month now to discuss with an impartial third party. Oh, oh. shit. Yeah, you've got issues, haven't you? I've got Ooh. big issues with the way Kevin eats his beans on toast. Oh, okay. Lay them on me. Okay, so... What I do is I just put it in my hand and I crush it into an orb and then I eat the hot <laughs> beans and bread. <laughs> 
So the way I eat beans on toast is I have my two slices of bread, I butter them both, and then I put beans on top and add a bit of cheese on top of that, right? Okay. Beans on toast. Mm-hmm. Right. That is not how Kevin eats beans on toast. Okay. Kevin will have a bowl of beans or a mug of beans and a piece of bread. No, oh, a piece of bread. Yes. Toast. A piece, toast. Of, a piece of toast. Bread. Piece, yeah, but it's not Beans like, and bread is like so not, sad compared to beans on toast. It's not cut up or anything. It's not like got anything on it. So it's just this piece of toast. And then he just eats it, a mouthful of beans. With butter on it. A mouthful of beans and then a mouthful of bread. And then he just alternates. Oh. But that's not beans on toast. Oh. No, that is, that's game in the system. And no, 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 no. That's you, beans and toast. Yeah, you misheard Kevin, Joe. He was saying beans and toast this whole time with like an apostrophe <laughs> N situation. So here's, here's where I stand on this, right? Is that, yeah, absolutely. You're having your beans on toast the way it would be in your magazines and uh, on Hollywood movies and uh-huh. stuff like that. You know, yeah. your your Hollywood ideal beans on toast, all right? <laughs> but what you've got there, in my, in my humble opinion, is just something soggy waiting to happen. You well, know? I'm sorry, now, but if I, you come to me and say I'm going to make you beans on toast, mm-hmm. and you hand me a piece of toast, yeah, but and a I'm, mug not, of I'm beans, not serving you that. That's you, how I mean. The this. first time you did, you made out as though that's what beans on toast. Well, is. I I feel I'd provide you the constituents in the same way that like if I was say, do you want like some cereal? I wouldn't pour it and assume your milk and then leave it and then say, okay. oh, yeah, the cereal by okay. the way. Would you put order, the cereal on a plate? Order. You asked me to be the impartial okay. third party. Oh, sorry, I haven't even got to say any of my defence. It's just. Two of you have torn me into shreds. Look, oh God, look, and, that, and that's it, is it? Sometimes you, when a judge hears one side of an argument that is so convincing Clearly. and correct, he'll just think, well, that's it. I've heard everything I need to hear. I'll say, based on what I'm hearing now, because I know some people will have their toast and they'll have their beans in a separate little mug like Kevin or whatever, and they'll wait until the last minute to then pour the beans on to stop the toast from That's getting soggy. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What you're describing there... So your, sound... your, your beans and toast exists as a state of beans and toast then for a large portion of Mr. the meal. Mr. Mahon, you have a... been warned once already. Please do not speak <laughs> out of turn. I do feel there's an important distinction to be made between the two ways we eat because I have a plate... And I put my toast on the plate and the beans on the toast on the plate. Okay. Kevin has a piece of toast in his hand and a mug of beans and okay. dunks and just okay. eats the toast and eats the beans. Am That's I... not a plate. And, and will my defence feature at all in tonight's episode? Or I don't is, know if it's okay. necessary. You, you've both got time now to just finish off what you're saying. Give your closing thoughts here. Kevin, you know, summarise it as okay. best you can. So, yeah, so my, my opening statement, my witnesses, my testimony, <laughs> all neatly wrapped up in the little package of the closing statement. Uh, I got silver in the mock trials when I was 16. And here I am now being harangued by the English legal system, where it seems to be one rule for Paddy Ireland over you here. You were to give a defence about rule. the beans situation, not comment on the efficacy <laughs> of the court. No, no, no. I'll continue my existential dread of explaining food rules to English people who have no food culture. Hey, as beans punish- on toast as is our culture. Okay, you come over here, you disrespect our, our culture, which is beans on toast. Yeah. And then sometimes people can see the essence, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the essence of that culture, which I will say no one here who's listening will think, oh, beans and toast, that's a bad idea, right? But it becomes, and it has now become my kitchen nightmare of the week to explain this to you, that you have in its essence there visually stimulating, absolutely appetizing, absolutely tuck into that, it's going to be absolutely 100% perfect. Where I lose you, okay, and I lose a lot of foods this way, is that 
10, 15 minutes into this, where the beans have been sitting on the admittedly cheap bread, the liquid has soaked through, and it gets a bit too squishy no. for me. Now, honestly, you're not going to tell me when you're having your beans on top of your toast like a fucking animal, by the way. You're going to tell me when you're, when you're doing this that the first mouthful is like, Ew, oh, it's all crunchy and horrible. And then later on, oh, now it's nice and mushy. You remind me of the people in school who used to put their Weetabix in the microwave to make it go extra mushy. Yeah. Here I am trying to maintain the crunch. Here I am trying to maintain the individual brand identities of beans and toast. That's right. Look, if you called it beans and toast, perfect mouth bite would, every time. I would. I have no issue with you eating your beans and toast like that. Yeah. My issue is you calling it beans on toast. Okay, so which is a staple of the English diet. So it's part of our culture. I'm allowed to say I'm going to have beans and toast. Yes. But your your dish is to be beans on toast. Yeah. Okay. It's so, like if you said, right, okay, if you're going to have cheese on toast, you don't have a piece of toast and a hunk of cheese, and then you eat a bite that's, separately. That's different, that's though, is it? cheese and toast. You could, Adam, right, you can't have melted cheese on its own. It doesn't exist. It literally can't exist on its own. We can all agree on that, right? That's not the it same. It definitely can. And they're Sorry, cooked this, together. This, this just proves my judging style is the best, of course, because all I've done here is sit back, and you two have managed to work it out between yourselves. We've got a settlement here that Kevin is going to agree to from this day forth, refer to that meal as described as beans and toast which you make very yep. valid arguments for <laughs> it sounds like a good combination but it shall be here it to sounds refer- delicious doesn't it yeah it shall <laughs> be from now ideal. on referred to as beans and toast only my final verdict on this matter here and i w- would like to get this swept up as quickly as possible uh, my final verdict is that beans on toast is genuinely disgusting no matter how prepared <gasps> And uh, I have Joe! never, never liked baked beans, and I find both oh. of you to be utterly apprehensible. My God! Oh my God! All that eggs on toast yet when I lived with them makes sense now. He never went for the beans. <laughs> How can you not like beans? I used to call you beans, Bibolo. Oh my I know. God! I know. You, gi- you give that back. <laughs> Be- you don't like beans. And you know what? I'm out of here. I'm just going to drop this reveal and then I'm going to leave the podcast now. <laughs> so, so just so we know the methods, Joe, you get your beans, you put your, you, you put them on top of your toast. Me, beans, and toast, toast separately. Adam, Adam toast. you get your beans, you get your toast, and then you go fuck yourself. Exactly. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Thank you. So shall we get into today's meat of the matter? Sebastian's. Now, this was an episode chosen by joe joe why did you pick sebastian's so i looked online for like the most entertaining episodes of kitchen nightmares and this was one of the ones that came up and it sounded interesting mm-hmm. so it was sold to me on the basis that uh the owner's wife invested like three hundred thousand dollars of her own money into mm-hmm. the company which is always a good time always a winner yep. And also, the menu is based around a concept. <laughs> oh, man. And like, that alone was like, yes, I have to yep. see this. I want to see Gordon. Because I know Gordon's like, one of his basic principles is keep your menu simple. And it's mm. something I didn't even think about before I watched Kitchen Nightmares. But like, it's completely changed the way I eat at restaurants now. Like, I judge restaurants so severely if they have a massive menu. I don't know about you two. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a warning sign. If, I, if they hand me something that I have to like fold and then fold again. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm a great folder, but I don't want those skills tested outside of a picnic environment. I don't want, like, big menus is always a scary thing. Yeah. I don't know if I'm, concepts are an alarming thing, That's necessarily. Just, like, what does it mean? It's, yeah. it's one <laughs> word away from gimmick to me. Like, yes. it's basically yeah. the same thing. 
Has there ever been a restaurant that you've been to, Adam, that had a concept or a gimmick and you were like, you know what? That really worked. I enjoy the gimmick. You know, it's not a restaurant per se, but there is this buffet place I've been to with my family quite a few times back home where normally you'll go to like a Chinese buffet or an Indian buffet or something like that. This place literally specialised in, we have a bit of everything and none of it's amazing, <laughs> but it's all all right. So I'm talking like wow. Chinese, Indian, fish and chips, fried chicken, roast dinner, pizza, wow. pasta, like they covered all grounds That's and it was unreal great. having like... A, sl- a big slice of pizza with chips and a Yorkshire pudding on the side. I was in heaven. Wow, that does sound great, actually. What's that restaurant called? Uh, British Culture. Is that what it is? <laughs> All is it? right, now, you've, you've had just, your just say already. everything else, isn't it? <laughs> How about you, Joe? Any concepts that uh, ring, ring a bell for you? The closest I came to somewhere with a concept was actually somewhere you and I have been together, Kevin, uh, called Fazenda. Fazenda. Oh, yeah. They oh, basically yeah. sit at your table and then they bring you meat like you have a card and then you mm-hmm. it's like a traffic light system and if you turn your card to green and go they just keep bringing you infinite meat until you can't eat anymore right and it's just great you just have meat and more meat and more meat and more meat and it's great but then you feel really really sick afterwards and it kind of puts you off eating meat for about a year is there an orange in the uh, the traffic light system they have <laughs> a little meat <laughs> a little meat slivers no. only it's just like I, I'm full but maybe if you waft it by my nose you might tempt me so it's worth a try they're on should be because like in Fazenda there's a lot of meats that you, you might not want to eat like there's obviously like chicken thighs and stuff which is kind of mm. like yeah it's fine but like it's not the best yeah. and then there's like some meats which is like oh that's my favourite meat so then you would definitely be tempted by your favourite meat so they should they should introduce an orange traffic light system at Fazenda or they should at least have waistline monitoring so if someone's going oh <laughs> that they're not filling them up with more because they did that to me and I thought that was irresponsible. Yeah, they should have uh, known better. I almost had to, to contact the excess ombudsman to talk about <laughs> that. I mean, I, I like that concept, the concept of roaming men with, with meat swords. I'm not as big a fan of their follow-up concept, which is not pooing for three days. Yeah. That's the concept I could I could do without, like, you know? <laughs> because here's the thing. There's no amount of, of, of vegetables you can eat to shift the amount of meat you will eat. And the truth is, so, like, we went... So... Uh, we went for a meal with the subcultured gang it's about half a year ago and in it Jake the host of subcultured ate literally only meat the whole oh time we were there he ate just Jesus. plates and plates of meat and I was like Jake are you not going to eat a single vegetable and he was like no I'm just going to eat this meat and like, I was both impressed and horrified and yeah. I can't even imagine like I tried to make myself eat some vegetables because they said I love vegetables but even I wasn't shitting for a long time after that <laughs> no no one benefits. Uh, I think this is like the most, if we're to, to put a pin in our concept conversation, no one benefits from a concept where you feel you have to alter your eating patterns to maximize uh, your value for me. money. I tell you who benefits. My wallet, mate. Whenever I go to a buffet, I make sure I load up <laughs> and I get the financial benefit of that, not needing a meal again. Yeah, I know, but... You'll eat all the things that you want to eat. I'm talking about if you go to a place and like, don't eat the bread, don't eat this, like, you know, just yeah. eat this. Because otherwise, that's the good value bit over there. Like, I, I would hate to go like to buffets with my parents because they'd be like, there's a lovely bit of, of lamb up there. And be like, well, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I have actually, to eat it. Oh, do I have to eat it now? Because like this pride <laughs> that we feel for various pieces of meat in Ireland, which extends to other people, even restaurants and hotels, their meat. And you wouldn't want to hurt your mother's feelings by not going and having 
Kinney Gad's finest piece of fucking lamb and some hotel. The worst thing is when you go to a buffet with your parents and then they judge you for eating the chips because they're like, chips? They're so cheap. You could eat them anywhere. And it's like, yeah, but these are really nice chips. Yeah. First time and the last time I went to a buffet with Sam from Cinema Swirl. It was in Nottingham. We were loading up before, I thought we were loading up before going to see a comedy show. We went in and we had like half an hour, 40 minutes in this Chinese place. I loaded up my place and I sat down and there's the code when you go to a place like this that you don't judge each other's plates and he went fuck me that's a heart attack waiting to happen oh that's nice which immediately ruined the atmosphere and that's why we're doing this food podcast with you because we won't say we'll just judge your beans and toast eating habits thanks I appreciate that of course as we learned though that wasn't a food issue that we had that was simply a semantics issue that we had and tune in for our semantics podcast, which will be debuting later this year, we're in Los Angeles, the city of Hollywoods. Films, movies, Oscars. Two thumbs down or a box office smash for Sebastian's. It's it's bad. It's struggling really badly. <laughs> you could actually be the narrator on Kitchen Nightmares pretty good, actually. That was a decent intro yeah. to the area. Thank you. It's it's 60% Kitchen Nightmares, 40% JoJo's Bizarre Adventure narrator. <laughs> While we're on about narration, actually, where did you guys, like, what platform did you watch this episode on? Uh, we watched it on the platform known as putting in the episode number into YouTube. Yeah. I mean, okay. it was available on some, like, the problem is because it's strewn across some streaming platforms, we just tried to find it because we were in a bit of a rush where we mm-hmm. could watch it without ads, and that meant watching just an upload on on youtube that's all right you watch the same i'm assuming yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 i watched it on youtube too but before i did i started watching it on all four very briefly channel four streaming service and i watched about two minutes on there and i turned it off because they have it's kitchen nightmares usa mm-hmm. with a british narrator who's no. there like, like gordon ramsay has come to los angeles and I, I couldn't get on with it so i switched back to youtube where it's got the american narrator and they actually have like the same lines. They say the same things about like box office bomb or a smash hit. Like wow. it's just a different accent is all it is. That's amazing. I mean, I remember Mythbusters used to have a UK and the US one, mm-hmm. but the U- UK one, he he put a bit of salt and pepper on. It. He'd be like, "Oh come on, guys, you're not gonna do that." <laughs> but that, that would be similar. He he had he was given the same script. He just had the ability to provide more color. I think mm-hmm. as a result, would you rather watch this with uh, native tongues? narrator Joe? yeah i reckon yeah yeah keep it american <laughs> oh sorry you wouldn't want a uk one then not for u.s kitchen nightmares it sounds really odd peculiar it sound really judgy like <laughs> yeah. like some kind of nature documentary of, yeah, i'm david attenborough i'm in this native restaurant in the us of a now there were a couple of things that made me excited about this episode i think originally you would picked another episode which i'd be very excited but that turned yeah. out to be a two-parter i think yeah. We're not ruling out two parts, just episode two, probably. Yeah, episode two being a two-parter. Yeah, yeah, I think we need to do a few more before we delve into them. So I was very excited because I recognised this from the Kitchen Nightmares YouTube channel, which has got highlights in this episode, including Gordon's big fight with Sebastian and Seb 
finally underlined in capital letters admits he's wrong so you know there's a lot to look forward to just before we go any further here gang um what one of you guys has done some research on what happened next with the restaurant yes yes okay can you we just both have we, we both done a bit yeah okay so no no spoilers or anything folks but can you just clarify for me is sebastian here still alive is he with us yes okay he, he great. is because i yeah, think he's, I, he's alive I, I sent you an image on Slack of when I went to type this into YouTube, I typed in Kitchen Nightmares Sebastian, and the first drop-down result was Sebastian dead. And I was like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> oh no, bye-bye, little Sebastian. This, this will actually explain why, because even though it was Joe's episode pick, and therefore usually it's your responsibility to find out, you know, what happened, etc. But I ended up doing a little research just because you had sent me that, and I noticed this episode was going a particular way, and I'm like, right... Whether or not this gentleman is still alive really is going to impact my watching of this. Yeah. So I just had to look up quickly just to find out because I couldn't really... Unlike you, Adam, I didn't find I could continue without knowing that piece of info. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it for myself. It could have been a huge <laughs> reveal. Like I, I thought the restaurant was all right looking. I yeah. liked it, yeah. Yeah, looks good. I mean, how, how would you... Did you describe the decor? Um, it was kind of like a lot of white walls, white tables, some red accents, like like red curtains around the place. It was kind of like Hollywood-ish, little tacky, but kind of like what you'd expect from a random restaurant in Hollywood, to be honest. 2007 or eight, whenever yeah. this was. It's it seemed fine. fine. I think the biggest faux pas I'd had is that there were folding chairs on some of the, uh, on some of the seats okay. in there. And if I went to a restaurant and I'm sitting down... And I'm on a folding chair. I literally, I don't think I could do it, honestly. Okay. To me, it looked like the kind of place you would maybe wander to. If you're on holiday and you've been to the beach and you just wander around the town and you find somewhere that has this big, lovely patio and everything. Except this is plonked right in the middle of a load of big movie studios. Like There are like big warehouses and studios all around. And this restaurant is just like splapped down in the middle of that there. And you would think that means it is an absolute given that it would be absolutely heathen business. Surely. I, I thought the case would it be that here's a, here's a restaurant that's going to have a heathen business that they just can't actually cater to because they're not good enough. Mm. But what we have is somehow a restaurant between all of these places of a lot of footfall and traffic managing to like just continue you on without anyone eating in it it's very peculiar how they haven't got anyone in there at all well it's not that they don't have anyone they do seem to have customers when gordon goes in it's just i don't know as we'll see later i'm pretty sure they have to comp a lot of food yeah oh shit yeah and there were immediate comparisons i feel i'll do this sometimes where applicable for any of my uk kitchen nightmares heads but does anyone remember the episode of UK Kitchen Nightmares? And I believe it was set in Brighton, where the guy who'd been in movies and stuff in the 80s and had a bit of a career, and he was he was quite a, a camp character. And he was it was Ruby's, I think was the name of the restaurant. And he was an absolute nightmare because he was so charismatic and confident, he would happily stand up to Gordon. And actually, Gordon was like, shit, I think I'm making like him act. Like, he was getting into the moment and getting really fucking oh, yeah, riled up. I remember that, yeah. So, I uh, got a chill up my spine where they go, Sebastian is a part-time dramatic pause actor with the immediate pan in his shitty office from the yeah. picture of some young magician from no, the 80s. Yeah, it's, and that... Uh, that's him? <laughs> yeah. Pans down to this 
lad who could best be described as wearing a hat. I love that you called him a magician because look, it's literally in my notes. That yeah, I mean, that's what it is. That, I had that too. He literally, in his old, yeah. really outdated headshot, that is pure magician right there. And it's not just like he looks like a magician. The photo has magician energy oh, as well. Yeah, like, he's he's totally. peering. Yeah, he's kind yeah. of like over his hand and looking kind of a bit seductive <laughs> the way magicians do airbrushed out the orb that was in his hand you know <laughs> maybe his theory was okay the shortest route to getting on inside the actor's studio is looking like the host of inside the actor's <laughs> studio I'll get, I'll get on through flattery <laughs> sebastian even by kitchen nightmare standards and keep in mind this is the first season so you would imagine most of these people have not seen the show or not aware of the format He's a ham. He's a five-star ham, this yeah. guy. He looks in the camera, and the first thing he says to us is that he's an excellent chef, he's an excellent restaurateur, my ability is endless. Like, he just drops uh. that in there. <laughs> <laughs> so he, modest. He also claims to be very understanding to his staff. Yeah, I've got a quote from him here. I think I'm pretty kind to my employees. I treat them well. I treat them with respect. And then we cut to like an employee screaming, "Look out!" As he like throws something. Yeah. And then he goes on to say that like, if you're not pulling your weight, if you can't keep up, he's not scared to fire you. In fact, I fired forty nine people in the last twelve months. <laughs> like, Jesus. And he seems so proud of that as yeah. well. So twelve months, forty nine firings. That means he's averaging four firings a month, which would be. A, a staff member a week? So like, that's part mm-hmm. of the reason probably he's going under. Like, legitimately, it's yeah. so expensive to have turnover of staff like that. I mean, yeah, because every time... I mean, I, I guess it, it depends in America. I don't know the labour laws there at all. I but mean, like, just, when, you, when you start, you have to get, like... There's paperwork. Yeah. You have to get your mm. P45. There's there's training as well. You have to train yep, your, new, exactly. your new employees. Like, you know, it is just expensive to have new new employees. What would you two imagine the training is provided oh, by uh, by Sebastian here? What's his energy? Like, what's what's this guy all about? What what does he do even? Like, what is he? Is he the chef? Is he the owner? What is it? Well, because he's an actor, and we'll, as we will find out, pretty much everyone else that works in the restaurant is either an actor or a model. I imagine he would just give them the menu and say, learn these lines, and then show up tomorrow for work. Like. <laughs> it's a nice idea in theory. Like, having a cast of, of actors to be your your staff. I mean, I, I'll, ta- I'll happily take someone acting polite over someone who is, like, too unsure of themselves to actually be polite. Yeah. You know, I mean, it seems like a good idea. But from an employer's point of view, like, these are all people that are, like, potentially any minute going to be like, well, fuck this, because I've got a real gig now, so I'm leaving this job. Yeah. Or, fuck this, I don't want to be working here anymore, because (laughs) nothing about this is nice. He is that kind of floating omnipresence that you get in a lot of these episodes where he's just kind of constantly around. But But also not when you need him. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Does does he cook? Like, uh, you actually see him cooking things yes. in the episode. No. Wait, do we? We do. Actually we do. He, cooking? He, he is proud of, like, not only did he create the menu, but he also says he himself can, can cook. And we'll get to it later, but there is a point where he shoves the head chef out of the way and he's like, I'm on this station now, and he takes over. I didn't realise he actually did cooking then. I thought he just created madness. Well, as we will learn, there is very little actual cooking that's going on because we have a concept menu on our hands, folks. And the concept menu, which, despite the fact that I've watched this episode a good few... Like, I've watched it before, and then I watched it again with you, Adam, then I watched it for this podcast where I Mm. diligently took notes, I still cannot explain 
this concept. I can. Okay, mm-hmm. please help me. Okay, I've taken a bunch of notes on this. Because <laughs> so they start off in the episode, they get the uh, the waiters to explain the concept of the menu. And bless them, we've got little Sonia, who's also an actor. She's mm. trying to explain the menu and she doesn't fucking understand. She doesn't know. She says she's worked there for six months and she still has no idea Jeez. how it works. Good job hanging on, though. Literally all <laughs> the staff they interview about the menu are like, no idea, no fucking clue. So... It has 20 different flavour combinations. I, I, I beg your pudding. And it has gourmet flavour exactly. combinations, Exactly, thank Joe. you, Kevin, yes. And it's a combination of marinades, toppings, and seasonings. So you choose your marinade slash topping slash seasoning. Wait, you can is, only have one? I know, which is oh. weird, because like, surely you might want a marinade and a topping and a seasoning. But no, I guess you get one. Right. Well, uh, can can my seasoning include toppings? I, no, I mean, no, no, I think it's just one. So let's hell. choose salt yeah. as a seasoning, because <laughs> that's a basic one. I'm going to go with pepper. That's yeah. my personal... Okay, then you add it to either chicken, portobello mushroom, New York strip steak, or shrimp. Okay. So right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add mine to a portobello mushroom, some salt and mushroom. That's nice. And th- from then on, it's unclear. I don't know what happens then because what? it just descends into madness. No one seems to understand, including the owner. I fucking hate this shit where it's like putting the onus on you, the consumer, to make the fucking menu for them. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think is good? I don't know. Isn't this place a pizzeria as well? Like, at what point yeah. does the pizza <laughs> enter into this menu, Joe? I'm not even sure because when Gordon comes to order a pizza, he. That, I'm pretty sure the pizza he orders is the special, like the house special. You're right. So, considering it's a pizzeria and they have two pizza ovens, like, they don't make it very clear as to like, what selection of pizzas they have no. or if the pizzas are part of, like, the gourmet combination or if that's, like, a different part of the menu. I think it is a different part because. When you see the menu and it's Tolkien-esque folds in it, like, Jesus Christ, I thought there was going to be a pull-out map in this thing. It was yeah. so goddamn big. <laughs> and it, it is a, it's a grim, grim setup. You've got a concept that even the concept of concepts we've argued doesn't work. This one absolutely doesn't. No. And, like, if you can't have staff selling on it, it's, it's screwed up. The wife, who you mentioned is, brought, is the investor in this, she shows up... So briefly, you know yep. that it's a bad time. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not that she's there involved. She just shows up to inform us that her and the young child, that the investment is £300,000. And she mm. makes sure to let us know that there are times that the investment becomes resentful between them. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that nice? Uh, uh. It's bad time. Here comes Gordon Ramsay, folks. It's Gordon time. Pan up. Pan down. <laughs> pan up. Pan down. We've been watching his um, YouTube, his 10 minute YouTube challenge videos where his daughter films them. And it's yep. so nightmarish and chaotic and stressful. Because Gordon's in lockdown, Adam, and he wants to involve the family. So one of his daughters is filming it. But because he doesn't quite trust her, there's also a professional film crew there as well <laughs> who we cut between. But also Gordon gives his own directions to his daughter in terms of how she should film it, but he has no experience directing. So he just says everything oh. is panned down. So he uses that to mean like zoom, to pan up, to look over there, to go into my face. He just says pan down to mean it well. all. Let the pan do the work, turn them around. I want these sausages nice and fragrant. Pan down please, pan down. I was Next. down. 
Mr. Ramsey, I'm going to say right now, as someone that studied media at college and university, I've not had loads of reality series like Gordon has, but I can tell you for a fact, you can't pan up and you can't pan down. It's a tilt, baby. Right, that's what I was saying. It's a oh tilt. my god, seriously? Yeah, he's talking total bullshit. That's why I'd be yeah. so happy for Matilda to like do a film class so that she can actually be like, <laughs> Dad, you don't know what the fuck you are talking about. What does pan down even mean? Well, we'll never really know how Matilda gets on because when he is there bellowing at her to, to pan up, down, left, right, and the other, he, we're cutting to the professional crew. So Why? you have Gordon Ramsay with a pan, right? And then the camera tilts downwards and he's going, pan down, pan down, pan down. What he means is zoom in. <laughs> but like it's happening like he wants. Also, you'll never not be confused by the sentence, Pan on, pan down, pan <laughs> on. Well, that's it. Pan. I was going to say, he literally does that. He's like, okay, take the eggs off the heat and now pan down and then pan back up again, pan down. Like, it's so confusing. No, no, pan down, not pan like, down. You're not allowed to give that instruction when you've got a pan. All right, you can. Like, you're not allowed to tell someone to zoom in when you're on a Zoom call as well. That's also not allowed. It's, it's just wrong. Gordon's outside and he's noticing the sign for Sebastian's, which advertises both live music nope. and Plasma TV. Plasma. And it also, it also plasma. advertises a wood fire pizza, which nope. wood fire pizza ovens, which it also, I mean, it has them, but they are not used. They are they, out of well, service. They, no, they are used, but for decorative purposes. Oh, come on. <laughs> Bullshit. Which is so funny. It's like such an expensive, like, decoration. Sebastian getting starstruck when he meets Gordon always a bad sign because these are the ones <laughs> who always they're like wow Gordon Ramsay I love you those are the ones who then feel a sense of betrayal because they yes, criticize exactly. and therefore it gets a lot worse Fiona says that he greets every customer who arrives often sitting down with them for 10 minutes or so Jesus. to have a glass of wine would you piss that off that is absolute hell I would pay money to make sure that never happens yeah, yeah honestly. I don't want that has anyone ever joined you? Like when? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like I've had it quite. It happens more often on holiday when you're there with a big group and you get the really personable waiter that's like, "Hey, gang," and everyone's like, "Cause we've had a few drinks, you actually quite like it." But this and idea of the owner, in your lap and all that. <laughs> this idea of the owner being like, "Welcome to my restaurant. Come over here, and I'm not going to give you any time to yourself now." Like that just does my head in. And like. To not even have time to look at the menu because no. you're talking to him immediately. Like, that's so... I get so anxious ordering from restaurants anyway. I need, like, ten minutes to myself just mm -hmm. to look at the menu and kind of worry about it all. Yeah. To have the owner there, like, talking to me. And, uh, oh, my God, that's so stressful. I recall in the town near I grew up, Mullingar, in the great land of Westmeath in Ireland, a, a rich, vibrant country, that we had... We were good enough to have Eddie Rockets, the 50s diner chain that was everywhere else in the country. We instead had our own special 50s themed diner that was called like Jack Cadillacs that was completely different to Eddie Rockets. What? And they they really wanted to make it the 50s diner experience. So the idea is you go in there, you get your malt, you get your, your cheese fries, you get your big burger. And like that, that was like a huge thing for the early noughties. But they had booths and they wanted the old 50s thing where they would mm. come in and sit down in the booth, often beside you, which is no. odd. Now, keep in mind, this is Mullingar in the like 2002. It ain't a type of place where we're going to be sitting at each other's tables. So what you would happen was when the manager was there, one of the wait staff would come over and then give you the look of, I'm sorry, I have to do this. 
Oh. And then they... There was an older person who sat there, and bless her, she used to sit the far edge as much. Like, like I'm, I'm just doing it so he thinks. I don't want, I don't want to sit here. <laughs> quickly give. Or like, they'd be like, come up by your order there, and only to sit down very quickly. <laughs> So yeah, sitting down, not a good idea. Just as a sidebar, like we in Stafford growing up, we literally had a 50s diner restaurant called Cadillac Jacks and it had a big pink Cadillac. Wow. And no I don't know way. if yours had this, had Kevin. Pink, pink Cadillac as well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and our one had a little train track that ran all around the top of the restaurant. Yes, like a little model same. train. Oh my God, so same cool. thing. Who the fuck is investing in Staffordshire in the West Midlands of Ireland? Like, what the fuck? We're not so different after all, Kevin. (laughs) Turns out we're not so... Turns out there was a little magic left in those old market towns. (laughs) I was going to ask you guys your opinions about, you know, using pictures in the menu. Because Gordon is is very disdained of them here. Because they do look quite jar- jarring they're like hostage photos of the yeah. food here <laughs> yeah. like some bad's gonna have this caprese salad just out of come shot up. there's a gun pointing <laughs> to the plates <laughs> or like a long knife <laughs> I don't mind pictures of food like it depends on the type of restaurant to be honest I really appreciate it in restaurants where I'm not familiar with the cuisine mm. like um, like Chinese restaurants or like Indian restaurants or like even more yeah. like unusual to me cuisine certain pizzerias i don't mind as well you yeah know? absolutely because like what what you consider a, a a four seasons i may not and i'd like to see a snapshot of that that's for my, true for my records. and also it's good to see like i always order a pepperoni pizza and it's good to see like exactly how much ratio of pepperoni to cheese you're gonna get Very true. Mm. good to see but in a fancy restaurant no pataki is it yeah i just mm, i don't know how do you feel about it, adam I I'd never like it because and I've never seen it done well. I should say it probably could be done well, but it's always the same. Like I was gonna say like they caught the food unaware, but you're way more correct, Kevin. It is like hostage photos. They have the flash on, it's way too close, it's really washed out and horrible. Like Bigfoot. Yeah, it's really nasty looking. <laughs> it never looks appetizing ever. I can't believe they got a picture of that carbonara while it was going to the bathroom. It was really jarring and shocking. <laughs> like I didn't think that you could get that weird flash in your eyes that you get you know on humans in mm. steak but they found a way to do it <laughs> i don't know i think as much about the the pictures but i could tell you from first-hand experience you know the little models that they do of the food in oh, japan i love that and i used to be very snooty about that before i went i thought it love was the it. dumbest thing ever nah. and then you go to a country where you literally can't read anything yeah. i remember like mm. trying to find a restaurant that was recommended holding up my piece of paper to the light to see if it if it went over the piece on the mall listings <laughs> but like i were going like when my my dad was there and he'd be like i'd like a curry and they're like well here's what it'll look like mm. and he's like can i touch it and they go yes you can and he'd feel the rice <laughs> and he'd, he'd, I, I know but he could at least like, he really knew what he was getting, even though it wasn't written down. What if, what if they just handed him a plate of curry? Would he still want to feel it? Or was it just because no, it was No, 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 no. I think he, he wanted just... My dad... Any, here's the thing about my dad. Anytime my dad is presented with a plate, and you could tell him anything, you could give him a plate and say, your wife's about to die, sir. And he would still go, mm-hmm. And he'd touch the plate. <laughs> or he could go and say, this plate has been in an oven for many hours. Be careful. And he'd go, mm-hmm. Just, I'm just going to confirm that with my, with with the people in the back in my head, and he'll then touch it. Which is why on many a family dinner, even when there has been company over, we have had like, everyone be careful. The plate is hot. This is very lovely. Thank you for making this. Oh, it's very tasty. 
And as, as, as the old man in the back has touched the hot plate and confirmed audibly for those attendants. I like the fact that he's a doctor and never learned the lesson that heat is hot. Yeah, well, no, he knows it, but he just wants to make sure that what you think is hot is what he thinks is hot. <laughs> Gordon asked to be made, and I quote, a little pizza. A little pizza? Make me a little pizza. Right, oh, Gordon's got an order. It's a sick one at that. First up, he orders the smelly calamari, which he is told are definitely fresh and then is immediately told are definitely frozen. Oh. Yeah, he literally asks the owner, are the calamari fresh? And the owner looks him dead in the eye and says, yes, they are all fresh. Everything we serve here is fresh. And then... <laughs> Everything! <laughs> and then Gordon asks Sonia, the waitress, if, if the calamari is fresh. She immediately says, no, it's all yep. frozen. So when he says fresh, he means fresh from the freezer. And I think that's a common theme in kitchen nightmares when a lot of these owners think that something's from the freezer that means it's fresh like yes. i have i've just now made this edible for you so it's fresh it's exactly. freshly made because yeah. i just i remade it there it's not on my windowsill therefore it's yeah. fresh i mean i don't understand what's wrong it with this it hasn't been sitting in the fridge for a week like everything else we cook there's so. no yeah. cling film on it it yeah. has to be fresh exactly right? that's literally like 90 percent of kitchen nightmares episodes have that exact <laughs> thing on the menu yeah uh, gordon uh, his next order is for a bloody sick bag Wee. so yeah the calamari arrives it's unsurprisingly chewy and damp I can have that first part. I can. I can. I can have crunchy, chewy squid, and I'd eat it all day long. Mm. Yeah. Lovely white tire. Give it to me. Mm. But damp. And it's not only chewy. He says it's a rubbery, and I think mm. chewy is fine, but rubbery. Mm. That's not okay. There's nothing that is covered in breadcrumbs that is nice when it's soggy. No. Is there? Is there anything? No. No. And I would argue there's nothing that can be nice in spite of it having soggy bread. Like if you got chicken no. tiddlers and they were soggy, even no. though it was the most beautifully seasoned chicken in the world inside, it it won't do. Ruined it. No. So everything soggy is just nasty. So yeah, I know last episode I said I would say anything that Gordon doesn't describe, yes. I would come up with my own Gordon description for it. Please. So deciding that this is rubbery and damp, I think he would say this it's like eating a used condom oh he literally oh. would say that as well yeah he probably did say it and they had to edit it out <laughs> second order is the little pizza that he asked for which is just a pretty big pizza yeah. to be fair it's called a popeye pizza That's yes right. whatever uh, that is uh spinach i'm yes. guessing that sounds nice yeah honestly uh, i've had a spinach pizza when done well is is one of life's great delights I did like during the pizza that we got some 24 style editing here, Adam. This was uh, uh, outside the comfort zone for the for the re Kitchen Nightmares gang. Is this when Sebastian goes to make a phone call? Yeah. Yeah. Picture in picture. That is, it's so 24 actually, because recently for a video I was editing, I needed to reference 24 for a bit. So I went back and I tried to find some scenes from it. Literally every scene of 24 on YouTube is someone on the phone and it cuts to a split screen. That, that whole show is nothing but <laughs> cell phone conversations. So Gordon's here eating his big, nasty, wet, smelly pizza. And Sebastian, in the meanwhile, is so upset and offended by Gordon's remarks, he's gone to phone his parents and tell on Gordon. Oh my god. Jesus. And I love that his parents totally have his back as well. They're like, you should kick him out. <laughs> kick him out of the restaurant. You're, you're, you run a very successful failing business. What's he ever done? You know? <laughs> 
so Gordon is horribly disappointed in the pizza. He says it. Uh, they find out that it wasn't cooked in either of the two pizza ovens. Mm-mm. The pizza is apparently wet and watery. Wet. <laughs> And watery. <laughs> and that is when we later find out, of course, that surprisingly, these are also frozen as well, which is a bit of a recurring theme here. I like any time he says that something is frozen, Sebastian, his defense is, it's frozen for us. <laughs> like he says, yes, we, we do what? get uh, frozen pizza dough. It's, it's frozen for us here at Sebastian's. Like, like it's done special for he them. argues that frozen pizza dough is cheaper than fresh pizza dough which I don't understand at all because surely pizza dough is just flour and water and maybe eggs uh, flour water yes. got a bit of oil in there yeah Yeast. like it's not expensive Salt. ingredients and it's no, not ingredients I mean, that are going to go off if you have a quiet period it's not like oh yeah. no all of our flour because we didn't have a busy week like that's not going to happen yeah. <laughs> it's basically he couldn't be arsed to, it takes time that's yeah. all yes. it does and skill and yeah. you know yeah. They don't want to do that. They want to do it cheap and cheerful. And there's nothing wrong with cheap and cheerful, but you got to get it at least vaguely right. Yeah. So the third meal, which I believe was manja. I, what was it actually called? I couldn't... It 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 was presented oh. with a big flourish. Oh, no, it wasn't called manja. I don't know what the food... But you put it down with it's, manja and then a little dance yeah, and Gordon's so, like, where's the cutlery? So, <laughs> yeah... <laughs> Do you want to explain, Adam? Yeah, it's it's New York strip steak. I think it's meant to be. And yeah, the reason is. why really? this gets so confused is because I think it's Sonia, the waitress, is about to take it out to Gordon, and Sebastian's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 Sonia! Here's your motivation for this next bit." Sonia, I want you to plate it to him, and I want you to say, as Sebastian's mother would say, "Manja." Manja. Yeah. And then Sebastian's mother would say, "Manja." When you go out there and put it down, I want you to say, as Sebastian's mother would say, manja. And Sonia's like, yeah, okay. And then she does it and Gordon's literally like, what the fuck was that? Like, it's just strip steak, I think. Yeah, it's just strip steak. But the fact that like, he doesn't have any cutlery is what makes it so funny because manja just means eat. Oh. So he's basically saying, eat away. Like it's a a thing you might say, (laughs) like, you know, you know, like cheers or something like that. But he yeah. can't, he can't mange it because he's not got any cutlery. Well, in fairness, Gordon does describe it as being like dog food and it oh. is presented in a dog food-like pile. And I didn't think you could make steak look like this, but they've made the steak look like a premium, mind, but still dog food. Imagine if you ordered a steak somewhere and it came Cut chopped up, up. Oh like oh. in like, dog food. <laughs> and this is the point where we are informed that they are famous because, not in spite of, their concept, which then begins a bout of profuse sweating that I don't believe ends for the whole episode from Sebastian. Oh. The worst part is when Sonia comes up to Gordon with the, the cutlery after she, she says manger to him, is Gordon really condescendingly says to her, don't worry, love, you've got the part. Oh, for God's sake. Like, really nice, Gordon. Thanks for that. Yeah, Gord- you can tell Gordon has a bit of disdain for most of the staff compared yeah. to normal because he knows that they have one foot out the door. Yes. But well, like- he's normally really nice to like the waiters and stuff. Nah. Like he invites them not to have a taste. He like empathizes with gives them, them jobs. Asks them to work there, gives <laughs> them jobs. Exactly. He does none of that with Sonia this episode. It's like Kevin said. It's because Gordon respects people that want to be in the industry, and all these yeah. people just want to have a gig while they're waiting for work. Like Adam, I was wondering your take then on the the confrontation, the first of many, as Gordon comes head to head with Sebastian. 
And they, they lock horns, they butt, and it doesn't go the way we might think, folks. Sebastian says that he thinks that he can take his pizza worldwide and it'll be in every supermarket in the world, in the frozen pizza aisles. And Gordon obviously doesn't agree with this and they have a big argument. Like you say, it gets very heated very quickly. There's lots of shouting. And Gordon does a very Gordon thing where he's just like, I'm not going to get through to you. You're unbelievable. And he walks off. And Sebastian's reaction is just like, huh. Yeah, I won that one. I think I won that one. He's, he's literally oh. going and telling everyone. Yeah, I, I totally won that one. Ramsey walked off. Yeah. I won that one. I won that what one. Happened? He was giving me shit. I'm gonna give it back to me. And it was like, uh, whatever. Sebastian? Yeah. Hello, Chef. Um, I just want a little word. Listen, big boy. Right now, you've won jack fucking shit. Woo! It's like, yeah, he's not even... He's literally like, woo, I won! <laughs> <laughs> to Gordon's face. Like, like literally in his face. A bad guy wrestler. Yeah, like Owen Hart. Yeah, like, who like... definitely has not won, declaring that they have won. <laughs> woo, I did it all by myself. <laughs> but then, and... but then clearly a producer goes over to Gordon and says to him like, mate, he's talking mess about you. He thinks he just won. You've got to go back. <laughs> so Gordon goes back over and he's like, oi, big boy, come here you. Listen, you haven't won jack shit, mate. You're a great big failure and he storms off and then literally sebastian just goes i think i won that one and he starts going around again <laughs> telling people that he won like do they think that this is a special contest where if you get to gordon or you just like you don't let him get to you yeah you win and your business is saved like yeah. they'll just pay your bills <laughs> like the like the, the, the amount of people who never understand that it's a bit of a give and take he's here to help no. you, you get, you'll get out of this what you put into this no. if you just leave him and say you've won well then why did you want to be on the show I like the fact that Sebastian's idea for his pizzas being all over the world the reason he thinks it's such a good idea is because he likes the way that this sentence sounds Sebastian's all over the world he reckons that's like a really good what? tagline. He was like, Gordon, imagine that. Just just hear how that sounds. Doesn't it sound incredible? Like, no, it doesn't it sound It doesn't. It sounds like something good like that will come out from, yeah. I don't know, World War II propaganda. Like, be careful. <laughs> there are Sebastians <laughs> all over the world. You'll never know where you might find one. We cut to later on in the day after a lunch that was both disappointing and confusing. Yeah. <laughs> and we learn that there is something at play here, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. And I thought if it was handled well and they worked around it, it could actually work as a, dare I say, a concept for the restaurant. It is a hive of young up-and-coming, you know, Hollywood types, yep. you know, wannabes, people who are, you know, looking to cast of all stripes and walks of life. So, like... It being a place where people know that you can meet in Greece and network and might come across someone, I mean, that is encouraging. And should he, surely that should be encouraged. I mean, there's places around here in Manchester that have, like, freelance days where it's like, yeah, you know, come and use our place to network. But this is viewed as being a bad thing by Gordon. Yeah, well, that's because, like, that in a concept in itself is a very good idea, especially to be in the heart of Hollywood but it's not set up for other people to take advantage of that. It's set up for Sebastian to take advantage of that. Like, this reminds me yeah. so much of the guy that owned the coffee shop I used to manage, where he basically wanted... <laughs> yeah. He wanted a place Anything. where he could invite potential clients and business people and be like, oh, I'll just meet you here in my cafe and you can come and have a meeting yeah. with me in my cafe. Like, 
it's Definitely, totally a yeah. big league like power play is what it is and it's why sebastian keeps inviting himself to have glasses of wine with all his yeah. customers because he's just schmoozing he's it literally schmoozing. using this as an opportunity to like network which is like that would be the most annoying thing if you're a professional like i was just imagining like the three of us like going to a meal somewhere you know maybe a podcasting business meeting and the waiter comes over and he's like asked to be on our podcast or something (laughs) i expect that on twitter not in a restaurant (laughs) so there is nothing that will upset me more in this episode than a frozen portobello mushroom be chucked into a deep fat fryer and then be put into a plain bun. Oh, oh God. You found a way to make it the worst version of itself. That is, you have accentuated the negatives in ways I didn't think were possible. Is this where we get a glimpse into the freezer at this point? Yeah, bit of a deep yeah. dive into the larder and the freezer. There's lots of what could best be described as like, even like 90s movies if there was like a baddie like in Street Fighter the movie and they were going to give you DNA mutagen like there's lots of like see-through bright colored things that look like they could be poisonous or turn you into a supervillain or something like that it's bad stuff I, I will say the freezer in the kitchen is all immaculate it's very well kept and clean but it's mm. one of the most depressing sights I've ever seen on Kitchen Nightmares is a big white, like, it looks like an empty tub of ice cream that's got a label on it that says frozen basil. They freeze their basil. <laughs> that sucks. I mean, you, you can freeze basil. I've frozen basil before. <laughs> but but you tub. don't run a restaurant, Joe. You're allowed to freeze no. basil at home, not if you're yeah. a pizzeria. And I freeze, I freeze my basil in oil. Okay, that's, that's nice. I, I get a bit of olive oil, put it in an ice cube tray, uh-huh. drop in a couple of basil leaves, and then you've got like instant basil oil. Ooh, Beautiful. Really good. Good tip. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would argue it's easy to keep your place clean when it's all in plastic wraps and it's all like, pre-made <laughs> and stuff like that. Like when you live the boxed food lifestyle, it mm. is a lot easier to keep on top of things. We do, though, get a classic bit of Gordon Ramsay kitchen nightmare yuckiness as a lady delves into her salad and discovers a long hair and then like look you just need to tell me there's a hair in the food and they're like "Eh." but we get like there's a hair in the food the lady's like i was eating the food and then i noticed it was a really long hair and i and i started pulling on it like it's a fucking she's describing a tapeworm story for yeah. being on holiday and and then he comes to sit down with her and he's like okay and, and what, what happened he's like well there was a hair in my food mm-hmm. uh, and would you like us to like make uh, you another oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> she's like no thank you like I you can I see salad. the wheels turning where he's about to say are you sure it's not your hair yeah. and then she's like it's definitely not mine he's like damn it oh, <laughs> prepared it's at this point that we first come across Lou Bertha. Yes. Who, as we can tell, will definitely be the MVP at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. She is both a manager and a cook, which mm-hmm. is already she's one the head job chef title. As well. I don't know. They just listed her as manager slash okay. cook, but yeah. she certainly seemed to be yeah. the head chef. I think she is. But either together. way, it's it's a one too many roles. Like you are either a cook or a manager. You can't be both. Mm. We are finding out the problem of comped food. Did anyone catch how much had been comped at this point? $300. <laughs> but it's okay. He keeps saying it's okay. This is, it's, he actually said, this is worth it if we get to network and eventually franchise. Uh. Like, this is like paying your dues. 
when you're working in the restaurant industry, you gotta comp a lot of food. You gotta serve some bad food. You gotta put up with it, like, yeah. and then then the success comes. I feel it's worth mentioning as well that just before we find out that three hundred dollars worth of food has been comped, we find out that Sebastian has taken over in the kitchen. He's yes. basically like kicked out Bertha Lou and oh, like, no. right, anything next pizza you guys have, I want to make it. And then he cooks in there, and he's like, "There's nothing I can't cook." And there is immediately a massive fire. Yeah. And a huge then we get fireball a in huge his face. Fire. Then we get the hair in the he customer's can cook salad. Fire! That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so like all the food he's involved with is getting fucked up mm-hmm. completely. So that's why he's had to comp out over three hundred dollars. It's it's because he tipped out the actual cook yep. and now he's cooking it all himself and like getting his gross hair in there. And the money that he's probably spending giving himself drinks as well, I imagine. That adds up. Mm-hmm. There was a great moment too where we see uh, one family at a table with all their menus out and they literally knock two plates of food off their table <laughs> because the menus are so big. <laughs> you couldn't write that. <laughs> so Sebastian is annoyed because he just wants to hang out and drink brewskis with his friends. <laughs> Gordon, horrid, nasty Gordon, is making him dry spoons and taste his own disgusting food. Aww. And this is exactly like when I was told to do chores as a kid and then I would do them badly and then actually go and hang out with my friends. And when my <laughs> mum would call me back in to help her. Yeah, but that's why your restaurant failed exactly. when you were a child, though. Like, yeah. you know? Sebastian reckons that the most important part about eating at a restaurant isn't the quality of the food, it's that the customer is happy, and then the best way to keep them happy is by him talking to them and drinking beers with them, I guess. I mean, I feel more empowered when someone's been friendly to complain. Like, if they're all like yes. buddy-buddy and my best mate in the world, I'm like, okay, we didn't cook this. Like, the amount of times I've been on holiday where someone's, like, my best friend, you know, t- and they think they're the, the man because they taught me in off the street, and, like, I just really wanted to eat. And I'm like, hey, this is under, this is not done right. And then they're like, straight away, the facade drops, like, <laughs> no longer your mate, you know? Also, those two people definitely don't know him, don't like him. They were delighted when Gordon came and pulled him away. Like, he saved yeah. those people. So, Gordon has got a fun concept for telling them how shit they are. And the nominees are, for the most confused restaurants, Sebastian's, and most confused restaurateur, Sebastian. (laughs) Now, I was hoping he would give him little Oscars. You know, that'd be good. Yeah, alas, not. And we're right on to training day after this. They are, and like new restaurant training day, like they are, they're moving. Like. Yeah, and they're learning how to like toss pizza dough. And Gordon has to go for the classic line, doesn't he? I want you to become the perfect tosser. Wee. Something Gordon does here, it, it, he does this a lot in this episode, more than he usually does, but it is a big Gordonism, and I don't think we've ever talked about it on the podcast or in person, but I absolutely love this. When he's telling someone off, and he starts his sentence like this, and he cups his hands and finishes it to <laughs> shout at them! He does yeah, it all written, the time. I've written about that in here, and it made me come up with the idea of, imagine this show if Gordon had a megaphone. That's what he wants. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Just like the exact same show, but he's just got a megaphone. He's screaming into the megaphone. But that would be the next concept because, you know, with 24 hours to hell and back, they're like boiling this down to like the most essential parts of the Gordon yeah. experience. Like, yeah. And now it'll just be Gordon Ramsay on a megaphone shouting into press restaurateurs in an unemployment line. <laughs> uh, Gordon's biggest piece of advice, and it's something that really cuts to the heart of the matter and it really can help thing. If you were to use your pizza ovens that could be huge it could change things 
Uh, yeah, it's a bit of an idea for the pizza restaurant. Radical, Not isn't a bad it? Show. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know what you guys think, but even by this show standards, this is far too much too soon. And the fact that they then unveiled the new restaurant. When oh, so weird. They didn't yeah. need it. Like, did nope. you notice when they're showing the before and after? Like, they had to do the old Kitchen Nightmares thing where it, when, when the restaurant already looks kind of nice. Yeah. What they do is they show you the old restaurant in black and white on a static mm. shot. And then it's like, and now look at it. It's a big, like, drone shot in yeah. oversaturated, <laughs> like, sparkles. Like, look yeah. how much nicer it is. I think they changed the front desk mm. because when all of them come in, they go, wow. And then they just all kind of, like, they touch the desk and then just stand there. Because it's like, <laughs> insane, like. I thought they made the outside of the restaurant look nicer, but the inside, to me, just looked like a hairdresser's. <laughs> I mean, it is... It's fine. Like, it was fine before. It was fine before. It's fine it now. Yeah. yeah. But, like, what? Like, I could see you watching this now if you had a struggling restaurant going, hey, Gordon Ramsay's giving out some free money on the TV. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the menus are being ditched as well. Oof. Get out of here. See you later. Bye. Sebastian is really unhappy with this menu yeah. change. He says he doesn't see any uniqueness. And then he says, Gordon said he'd never seen a menu like mine before. So I would say he agrees that it was unique. <sighs> As if that's a good thing. Honestly. That something Gordon had never seen before is somehow a positive attribute for a restaurant. I mean, what are they bothering with if he can't get through to the restaurant owner? Like, yeah. he, he's sitting there with his arms folded. They're relaunching on Oscar night, which is like Christmas time for Tinseltown. Yeah. The Academy <laughs> Awards. <laughs> so, like, I don't know... If I agree with the ethos of a show that says it's going to help the restaurant by empowering all the people who can ultimately do nothing, and the one guy who's actual got the ability to do any of these changes has openly said that he's going to abandon them as soon as he can. I know exactly why that is, and that is because this is season one of Kitchen Nightmares USA, mm. and they've not yet got to the point of like, okay, you clearly can't get your head around losing this menu of yours. We're going to go to the gym, and we're going to do 10 rounds. Like He's got no gimmicks or any sort of yeah, therapy sessions true. or anything. He just yeah. argues with the guy, and it doesn't work. If he had the little Oscar statue made, it would have went from a part, it would have turned into a bit. Yeah. And it would, he would have gotten through to him. Yeah, yes. I don't think Sebastian. Yeah, Sebastian would have definitely been a much happier man if he'd just been given a little Oscar statue. Yeah. What do you think you two uh, would be a fitting like season six kitchen nightmares? We're going to fix Sebastian right now with this concept. What would the concept be? What would you do? Like, you know, akin to getting the twins in the ring to box themselves. I would get Sebastian to record a podcast. <laughs> In 2007, he'd be ahead of the game, Joe. I know, yeah, him and Ricky Gervais. <laughs> Ricky Gervais on the ground floor there. <laughs> How about you, Adam? What would you get him to do? I would take one of Gordon's other methods that I've seen him use, where, and it's it's so cruel when he does this, but it can be effective. He, like, chases down people that have eaten there in the last two weeks, and he gathers them all in a location, and he makes Sebastian stand in front of them, and he's like, right, now you tell him why he's shit. And now you, okay, <laughs> tell him that he's a dickhead. And he gets, like, everyone to have a go at him, and eventually Eventually, it breaks them down. Like. Okay, well, I want to take your concept and and give it a sprinkle of Nathan Fielder magic onto it. What I would do is I would round up all the people who've worked, who've eaten there, have been dissatisfied. We know they're all unemployed or 
part-time actors. What well, the people who've eaten there? Well, he said it's a hot spot for all these Hollywood yeah. types. So, like, it's safe to say a large amount of people have eaten there, had bad experiences, and can act. What I would do is I would get all those people. I'd have them put on a one-act play about the experience, <laughs> an immersive experience, where all the shit, all the bad food, the hair, you you, you cut backstage, you can see all the shouting, mm. and you have someone really horrible play Sebastian. And then you, Gordon's like, you, Sebastian, are going for a nice meal and a show. And he goes, he sits down, he's eating it, and he thinks it's all right. It's the new menu, obviously. And then around him, he goes, wait a minute. That guy's me. I was doing that? Huh? Wow, wow, wow. The investment is no longer resentful. I love you, Dad. Successful business. That's what I do. I would love if in Kitchen Nightmares, the owner had to eat an entire plate of their own food of Gordon's yes! choosing. Plates oh my plates God. of it. No, yes. just one. Just one plate. Any one plate from the menu that yep. Gordon gets to pick. And he's like, right, you have to sit there and eat the entire plate in front of me. You have to finish him. it. Fucking manja! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, my favourite types of freakouts in Kitchen Nightmares are the ones that are pieced together from much smaller freakouts across the week they've been filming. So, we have a little bit of a kind of like a broody moment with Sebastian, who we then cut to him laughing. And then we cut him going, is this a big joke? And then it cuts him hoovering. And it's like, when did all this happen? <laughs> no, I... He changes top once. Does he? He goes from black to white. Oh, that's, I didn't notice that. No, I didn't catch <laughs> that. I don't know, to me, it seemed like he was having the same kind of crisis that one of the twins was having the last episode we watched, which yeah. is that he's randomly gotten angry and upset and he's taking out on the restaurant. He's decided that the place is filthy. So he sent the cleaners home mm-hmm. and he's decided to pack away all the furniture and started hoovering up. Bearing in mind, there's an Oscar party being launched at the restaurant tonight <laughs> yeah. and guests have just started arriving. Like yeah. literally they are coming in through the door as he's like throwing apart the hoover. Better hoover the back room. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> he was upset that there was a chair on the floor. Don't know where else it's supposed to be. Then he says, this is why we're losing business. He's doing this to try and send a message. He's trying to like either intimidate or get all the other staff to sort of notice like, oh, Sebastian's not happy. But actually what's happened here is because he's so busy going off in a tantrum, everyone else is doing an amazing job because he's not in the way. So the the restaurant is thriving right now. When did the microwave reappear? Because it just started pinging again. He he somehow started making the old food. Yeah, so we, we haven't quite got to that bit yet. So Sebastian's lurking around and looking sulky and a waitress comes over to him is like Sebastian do you need something and he's like no and then he goes around and he starts removing all the ticket orders he literally pulls them off the ticket sheet (sighs) throws them in the bin and then he brings back the microwave and I love that as soon as the microwave gets brought back we get a proper violin like I mean that's just the way mama used to make it though you know we'd all sit around that microwave we'd all manja you know that's just the way, the way it was I mean it is again I think he's trying to show to everyone like the main takeaway that they should have from tonight is that he is upset and that's the yeah. most that's mm. the most important thing when launching a restaurant is that like you know as a customer that the owner is is not happy he honestly acts like a 
14-year-old boy mm. yes. throwing a, a tent- temper tantrum. Like, mm-hmm. not quite a childish one, but not quite an adult tantrum. It's like this proper, like, teenager tantrum where you kind of don't understand your emotions and you get angry sulky. and upset mm. and sulky. Like your anger is justification but, in and of itself. Yeah, but also you want attention, but also you don't want attention. It's yeah. very confusing. Also, it, it, this has worked for him in the past because yeah. I don't think you do this as <laughs> yeah. an adult without having, like, parents or teachers or whoever who this works on. Yep. <laughs> Gordon bungles his cool line when he's having the big freak out. Now, I think what Gordon wanted to say was, lights, camera, action, fuck me. But instead, Gordon is like looking around at the chaos and he goes, here we go, cue, action, drama, fuck me. Cue, action, drama, fuck me. <laughs> Pan down. <laughs> Panda, I want to take a media studies course by Gordon All right, All right, guys, stop, stop. <laughs> Q, Q, stop it, stop it. It's the little, when Gordon, on his Adobe audition, he's got that little scissors, he's got a small snooker cue. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian says, Gordon can talk to me anywhere he wants, but when it comes down to it, I know what I'm talking about, which is why this show is called Sebastian's Kitchen Nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the bit now where Gordon delivers, like, the killing blow? This is like yeah, the end of a kung fu movie where he does the secret move and it's like... Aah! And I love that we've seen this line now, like, five times in all the recaps before it. Yeah. And then we finally get to see it in context here. It's, it's a pretty much a Hail Mary one, this, isn't it? Because if you noticed, all throughout this bit, Gordon is just ignoring him. Like, since the mm. first day, he hasn't really interacted with him at all. Like, when they're yeah. having the chat here, he's like... You and I, we butted heads on the first day. And today we got on and we buckled down and we got on with the work. It's like, that's not what's happened. You and the staff have. He's just thrown a strop all day. So Gordon's ultimate family killer blood nine technique that will destroy Sebastian forever. I've never, ever, 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 ever met someone I believe in less than you. Now go in there and make my fucking episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sebastian just throws a massive baby tantrum. He's yeah. literally going around. He's throwing things. He's smashing things. And then he starts to like get all like, where's Chef Gordon? Where is he? And then he starts screaming in Gordon Ramsay's face. Like, aren't you going to talk to me like a man? And then Gordon towers over him and he immediately looks terrified. We just before he gets to Gordon, this this my favorite part of the episode. They're following him outside. The camera crew are following him, and he's like, "No, leave me alone. Get those cameras out of my face!" And they don't even <laughs> flinch. They just stay on. Him. <laughs> no oh, respect. Is, it's so bad because I kind of feel like if I was in a kitchen nightmare situation and I'd had a little bit of a wobbly, I'd at least know right. They're on me now. Yeah. You know, yes. five five star wanted level. I need to lay low. <laughs> I need to cool down and wait for all this to go away. You don't do what he does, which is scream, this is my life! And then go and Jesus. try and open a door incorrectly, which <laughs> in the re... Right, he struggles with the door. We've all been there. I'm angry. I can't open the door correctly. It's, it's why 90% of people slam doors is because they tried to open it initially and then that makes them even angrier. So they have yeah. to teach the door a lesson and they slam it. <laughs> And that's why I didn't have a door for my bedroom when I was growing up. So, <laughs> so with with that, it's just a mistake. Did you see how they edited it? 
to make it no. no they made the screen they inverted you know what? what's it called when you invert so black goes white and all that yeah inverted it's inverted, just inversion yeah. so they invert the actual color of it and they flash <laughs> it three times <laughs> like he's opening it and it's like he's being possessed or it's haunted it's like, well, it's going to another dimension or something yeah no and then need. like they replay it and he's just it's just like oh the door's a little bit rattly there like it's just man opens patio door but they made it out like he was fucking like really tearing him a new one by going (laughs) I love the fact that after he screamed in Gordon's face he's then like I'm stepping away I'm stepping away because I'm too close and he's obviously absolutely terrified yeah. of Gordon who like is like a full foot taller than him and looks fucking terrifying like that's the thing like Gordon Ramsay is obviously quite scary he's mm-hmm. an angry man but when he's like that calm scary that's when it's like really like oh shit you do not want to piss him off and then he calls Gordon a loser Oh. <laughs> And Gordon, unfortunately, has already used his one killer blow that he had. So whatever comes now isn't going to be enough. He just looks at him and he goes, you ungrateful, nasty, vindictive (laughs) joker. Like even Gordon doesn't sound like, is that right? Did I really, is that all I came up with? Is that the best I got? It's interesting how it's come across because I definitely get the strong, silent demon headmaster Gordon Gordon vibes there, Mm. Joe. Mm. But like, there was an element of me where he's literally been told by the producer to be like, look, he'll run out of steam now. Just just leave him. Like, yeah. Gordon's just stood there, not really saying a lot of the that time. That would not happen in later seasons. No though. way. No, They've no, obviously, no, no, no. like, gotten rid of the producer for this season. Because, yeah, no, like, no. in later seasons, the producer's like, go on, go on, he said some shit yeah, about the, you. The, the, the producer, say this, say this. The producer here is, is still wrestling with the concept of something being undignified. Yeah. So, therefore, yeah. that's not what we're dealing with. And... I don't know about what happened, but I think there was like another episode or something. And then Gordon's there praising the staff and Seb suddenly is like, I respect him. I think he agrees with me. I think he respects me, dare I say. And like, they seem to arrive at the very shaky conclusion that as the staff managed to survive the night in spite of the frequent, very, very concerted efforts to ruin everything... By mm-hmm. Sebastian, the owner. Yep. The fact that they managed to get through it means that the night was a success. Yeah. And like Go- Gordon yeah. is like quite upfront, and Gordon's like, "I'm really worried that Seb will ruin the restaurant," but everyone seems to think it's going to be okay. Otherwise, well, they have like one or two lines from Sebastian being like. It's tough for me to admit that my old menu wasn't working and it's tough to admit that Chef Ramsay is right and that's going to be hard to swallow. And Gordon's literally like, well, that's as close as we're going to get to a good ending. So we'll just quickly end it now. He admitted that it's tough to admit those things. He didn't admit those things. (laughs) He just said that Gordon respects him now. Which is like, what the fuck does that even mean? I can't recall an episode ending on such legitimate scepticism. Like, yeah, mm. the end of this episode is very strange. Because they're always like, it, it was all great. Don't worry, it's great. Because yeah. I think the brand of Kitchen Nightmares is Gordon makes shit into gold. Whereas here, the brand seems to be, well, he, he's not a miracle worker. <laughs> yeah, Come on, he's only, he's only Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> now, just a, a couple of closing thoughts about this, just because it's series one and they're still very much clearly finding their way with this we Mm. don't get at the end we don't get gordon coming out of the restaurant looking in the camera and going like oh boy sebastian more like disaster and nothing like that (laughs) and also last time i listened out for the classic (laughs) noises and there wasn't many so this time i thought instead i'll listen out for the 
noises because mm. there's way more of them. And because I think it's because it's season one and it's less yeah. salacious, there was only yeah. four instances of that tonight. What wow. there was was we had like 300 cases of a knife sound where it's just a straight up... <laughs> like that happens mm. quite a lot, but... It's in some ways a lot more conservative in this first season, I think. Wow, it's so crazy because I re- I watched season one when it came out, and I remember it was it was like the end of two thousand one, a space odyssey. It was so edited, <laughs> so different. It was like the first time I watched US reality TV, and I'm like, this mm. is so jarring, and it's so funny to think because like I remember that year when I watched MasterChef and they changed it up a little bit, the format to be, be a little bit more American. I'm like, no, reality TV's like this now. Yeah, and this is actually. Probably a lot closer to UK Kitchen Nightmares in terms of its format and stuff. Yeah. It's quite tame. It is quite tame. The editing, though, it's not edited it felt this episode in a way to make you feel things happened that didn't happen. It's well, more... except the thing that you said about the top changing colour and the tantrum oh, yeah. being a bit... I guess. Yeah. I mean, leading. I fe- but there was that lot less ADORing of lines. Yes, I didn't notice yes, any. Definitely. And it felt like instead I was missing swaths of content like what actually happened on day one on day two on day Mm. three because we fucking careened through this Mm -hmm. right then so that's sebastian's done and dusted joe a little bit of a post-mortem here did you find out anything about how the restaurant got on how the man himself did any reviews etc yeah absolutely so unsurprisingly about a month after this episode was filmed he went back to the original menu concept for god's sake very overly complicated massive menu so this is before it's aired mind this is yeah this is i think this is after it's yeah been filmed but before it's been aired i know it went out of business about a year after the episode aired damn which is actually surprising i didn't think because he says in the episode we can keep going like this for six months so evidently they did get some modicum of success and when <laughs> or his I, wife gave them more money well <laughs> when i went on TripAdvisor or wherever it was, yelp i think it was um a lot of the reviews were on there were from people in the area who said oh i saw this on kitchen nightmares and had to yeah. go check it out like me and exactly. my friends were all talking about it mm. we love seeing the restaurants that have been featured so i think they did actually get quite a lot of business from just the episode coming out but you were telling me that the actual food it's like the those f- intrepid travelers were not rewarded with a good meal no um <laughs> one review said that he guy ordered a medium rare steak and it came well done oh, which is pretty bad no, but no, the no. worst thing i heard was several people saying they found sand in their salads sand sand or hair what would you pick I think I'd pick a hair over sand. You could chip a tooth on a, on a sand grain. Like you It's can. a horrible experience. At least with sand. a hair, I could convince myself it's mine. But I can't do that with sand. <laughs> this isn't my sand. Where has that sand come from? And why is it in a salad? <laughs> <laughs> so were you able to find out much then about the man himself? Sebastian, yep. what happened to him then? So, yeah, after about a year after the episode aired, Sebastian and his wife actually vanished. They just up and disappeared. Whoa! They sent a uh, an email newsletter to everyone who had subscribed saying, like, oh, sorry, we've got a family issue. We've got to go look after family first. So, like, obviously they ran out of money, but they were using this as an excuse. Yeah, yeah. Chef mm. Q, we don't mention him much in this episode recording, but he was um, he was featured quite a lot in the actual episode. He yeah. was one of the like more higher functioning chefs. He was the pe- he was the guy who was doing the pizzas in the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He actually was on a later season of Kitchen Nightmares, the episode uh, on Casa Roma, and he ended up he ends up in the episode saying, "Oh yeah, Sebastian and his wife just up and vanished." 
Uh, I checked out Sebastian's IMDb page. He has <laughs> since he left Sebastian's. He's been in two productions. Oh! Um, he went on to do a uh, a TV show or a movie or something called Angels Around Me, and I was like, quite impressed by that because he plays a detective. Cool. He's, I think he's got a line. Nice. He's got a gun. But then I noticed that he's listed as an executive producer. I was like, oh, oh no. Come well, on. When we sold the grill and the walk-in, we got a little bit of extra walking around oh. money. I thought I'd self-produce a movie. What's wrong? Now, I don't know how good the movie is. It's got quite poor reviews on IMDb. It's got like two stars. But IMDb also lists Sebastian's height as only four feet tall. <laughs> I don't know. How much you can trust That's that. That's so insulting. <laughs> I mean, maybe Gordon is just really little and this guy's even littler. Like, you maybe, know? yeah. So the other movie that he was in, mm. I actually, I think I've seen this for really? way, way back. What? He was in a Mary-Kate and Ashley movie. Yes, that was what? it. Yeah. And it was before he was Sebastian. It was when he was Stephen. What's his, his surname? Is Demacio or something, yeah. I think. But he was Stephen. So he changed his name to Sebastian later on. So yeah, he was in. Oh he was alongside Mary Kate and Ashley playing again a detective. Wow. Uh, he only had like a, a hand, handful of lines, but like that's it. Like he has a quite a barren IMDb page. Yeah, no, it's really empty. And you know, since they've added the ability to edit one's own IMDb, he's pages. added kitchen yeah. nightmares to his IMDb oh, page. There you go. That's himself. <laughs> so yeah, I checked out to see what him and his wife were up to now. And I managed to source their LinkedIn pages. Wow, Joe! So some people were saying that he runs a landscaping company. Other people say he runs a financial consulting business (gasps) with his wife. Just Uh... ask your wife for the money. Other people still say that she left him and he now lives in his car. But as far as I could tell, according to her LinkedIn, she's a corporate consultant. And... According to her Instagram, she runs an acting and modelling agency. So who the fuck knows what they're up to? It's mad dodgy. I think they've probably got like three or four or maybe more businesses that are like like underhanded, probably fronts for various things. Well, I would suggest to any intrepid listeners who happens to, on any of our episodes, find up any kind of like more up-to-date info or any hot scoops or leads. If you have any such information, as well as we're always after your kitchen nightmare stories, experiences of meeting Gordon Ramsay or celebrity chefs in general and any of these hot leads it's rawpod at gmail.com that once again is it's rawpod at gmail.com where you can also as well suggest episodes that you think might be a good time for this very podcast lady and gentlemen what I'd like to ask you before we round things off as always your dish of the day and your MVP. Your MVP, of course, being who you would save from this restaurant and maybe give them a job in your would-be hypothetical enterprise. And dish of the day, which meal of the meals you were presented with today would you, if you had to, eat, modify away to your heart's desires? Uh, let's start with Adam. Okay, obviously, I think this is going to be universal across all three of us, I would expect. But obviously, Lou Bertha is my MVP. She is, yeah. like, the most hardworking and the most on-it person in that entire restaurant. Most of the staff are actually pretty good, but she kind mm, of yeah. holds it all together. She's very much the leader. And my dish... Like, the new menu stuff did look nice and all, and obviously most of the old menu was trash, but something they never talk about in the show, but you do see it quite a lot, is in the old menu, they would serve these cones of sweet potato fries that look really crunchy and really crispy. Mm. And oh, apparently, of- 
according to Yelp, those fries are the best thing you can get. Like people, they love it. One person who yeah, makes no, no, them. No, no, that's yeah, their yeah. job, is it? Apparently, people in the area know that's the good place to get fries, wow. and people actually do. Well, they used to actually travel to go get them. It was like, yeah, no yeah, way. These are the best fries, yeah. They look really good, so I'm going to pick them yeah. as my dish of the day. Well, you see, Adam, how they get them nice and crunchy is they just sprinkle a little sand on them, and that is uh, un- unrivaled in the crunch department. Joe, you are the reason we watched Sebastian's today, so you've a vested interest in this. Who are you taking? What are you eating? I was going to pick Chef Q as my MVP because he seems quite capable. Mm. He's really on it when it comes to like teaching him the tactics for the pizza tossing. Yeah. But if he features on a later episode of Kitchen Nightmares, who mm. knows if he improves or not. So I'm saving him. I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to pick Sonia instead. Because oh. I think she was very good. She tried her best with the menu and she managed to keep a smile on her face even when she was had to say manja to a guy who has no cutlery. Just the right That's amount true. of sarcasm, I think. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> and dish. Oh, God, I don't know. They all looked horrible. Really? Yeah, there was nothing there that made me want to eat any of it, really. What if I told wow. you my dish of the day? Okay. Because I'd be all... I don't know you, Adam. I figured, like myself... You know, you, you, you're like a simple pizza topping. You know, oh, Ad, yeah. Adam Adam yeah. got me on the plain mushroom pizza train, which I've never gotten off. Mm. The Popeye pizza, legitimately, I think that could be absolutely delicious. But I, I, watery. Okay, mm. I the con- I, I would say like the concept of itself. You right. know, if if okay. I think it could be done well, I have had spinach pizzas that have been very nice, mm. and you don't just put. I mean. You could do it like where it's like a fresh pizza base and you've got like, you know, you know when you have sometimes you have like rocket on top or something, you have like fresh yeah. salad leaves, you can do fresh baby leaf spinach. But the mm-hmm. way I've had it, it's been quite nice is that they sauteed the spinach and garlic and you get these kind of like long strands, mm-hmm. which they then kind of layer in with the cheese. So Ooh, you get nice. kind of like a mottled yellowy, white, red and green. You get the nice kind of trifecta of colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think theoretically, that's the tastiest thing. I mean, that's why I'm, that's my dish of the day because ain't no way I'm eating that dog food new york strip no way no way no way i'm gonna choose the cheese on bovril crumpets that i had just before recording as my dish oh no joe sebastian will be spinning in his potential grave if he heard that (laughs) (laughs) i think i I, i've said my dish of the day the only thing i would say is i think i would go with q to be my my mvp mainly Hmm. because i feel anyone who like anyone who manages to bounce back after being in a shit restaurant and finding themselves in somewhere. And I've actually seen that episode where oh, yeah. he returns. And I don't believe it is a full episode. What I think happens is Gordon does a bunch of revisiteds. Oh, right. And because this place was shut down, he found this place where it was the only place right. he could find a member of staff. And he was doing really well there. And it was like, yeah, I had a shit time, but I learned from it. And anyone who can learn from being on a really shitty show or like had a really yeah. shitty experience... I admire that in, in someone. Nice. So I think there were some good people uh, working in this place. Oh, yeah. There always is, isn't there? Actors. They're the best, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, his turn is to pick an episode next, then. Yours. Oh, yeah. God. I don't know. Should I go smelly? Should I go angry? I don't know. Can't make that decision for you. All I'll say is, the thing I like to categorise Kitchen Nightmares episodes into is, like, the core problem. So sometimes the core problem is, like, laziness, like we had in the first episode we looked at. This week it was ego. It was totally this guy's ego about his whole Mm. menu that was the main issue. Sometimes it's, like, a family problem. Sometimes it's to do with location. I would ask you to try and find something that is... where the, the issues come from a different 
source than what we've seen already. Oh, okay. See, this is going to be tough. I know it's going to be tough because there is such a homogeneity sometimes with some of the episodes. Like, I know in the UK Kitchen Nightmares, they have these really interesting ones where it's like, there's an episode where it's like, it's a Mission Star restaurant, but it's in the mm. middle of nowhere in Wales, yeah. and someone new has taken over, and they can't live up to the high like legacy of the place. Maybe we'll find something similar for the US mm. Kitchen Nightmares. Again, if anyone finds anything that could fit into any of those categories, we're always open for suggestions. You know, I think between the three of us, I think we probably have watched all the episodes of this show. Whether we can remember the fine details of them all is another thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, those categories, those are basically the words that appear over Gordon's head in the title sequence, aren't they? When we're talking about all yeah. the bad things like that, <laughs> ego and all that. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm fucking starving now, huh? How about you? Yeah. No, I'm good. I ate that Bovril crumpet with cheese instead. <laughs> it was really good. Well, until next time, when we're awake from another kitchen nightmare, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on It's Raw! Wow, after that unpleasant baked beans argument earlier, I felt sure that these three would not be able to pull together. Thank God that the three hosts were able to move past their differences and have some fun at my expense. Fuck me, beans on toast, unbeanlievable. <laughs>